Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tabletop Legend. I am your host, Jared Cavallero, and with me today is my good friend, Amanda. Amanda, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast, Jared. Absolutely. Uh, so today we're actually going to be talking about something that uh, our our group of friends actually really enjoys as a whole. And quite frankly, I would say probably most of the world, um, if 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 I'm if I'm not too out of base saying that, um, but we're going to be talking about Extra Life um, and what we plan on doing to help raise money for it. Um, Amanda is going to be the dungeon master for a 24-hour campaign that we're going to run on November 7th um, to help raise money for the uh, what is it? The Children's Miracle Network. Yep, Children's Miracle Network hospitals. Um, I think it's UPMC Children's Hospital. That'll be our hospital. Yeah, so we've, at least I've done this one before, once before. I don't know if you've done it more than once. Um, I know I played in that one time that I played with you. Uh, You weren't the dungeon master in that one, though. I was not. I was still far too green to dungeon mastering to take (laughs) on a 24-hour game. Um, that was last year when we did our 24 hour campaign, we like to refer to last year as the year that we were all way too tired. Um, <laughs> like we had driven back from Florida the day before, like oh, we got home yeah. the night before the, the, the 24 hour game and we had driven 16 hours. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. So, like, uh, you know, it was all there, but we didn't stream <laughs> it. We didn't raise funds for it. So this year, with myself at the helm, I'm kind of looking forward to really getting back to how we started things a couple of years ago and, you know, raising the money for the kids and having a great stream. And I'm excited. Yeah, hopefully we can hopefully we can make the whole 24 hours this time, because I remember when we played and streamed the last time, we only made it like. 19 or so and we were all just so loopy and and whoa 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 whoa. everybody else was loopy anton and i were ready to go for the full 24 (laughs) i'd hit my like eighth wind at that point i was ready i was jumping and dancing so i i would like to just put it out there in the universe to whoever's to your listeners the works like we're making the 24 hours all right all right I have the energy. I believe you, and I can't wait for it to come to fruition. Yes. Um, it's chaotic. Energy. Oh God, That's it's fine. it's nothing but chaotic energy. <laughs> you you, oh, you yeah. can't have a twenty-four hour game without chaos. <laughs> like... I know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm super excited about it. Uh, but yeah, we're actually gonna we're. For for those of you that, and again, I find it hard to believe that anybody would be listening to this that doesn't know what um, uh, Extra Life is, but it's basically a, a charity drive that happens every single year around the November time frame um, that people just play different video games and stream different things. That hit, hell, it doesn't even have to be video games. It, I know Rooster Teeth does a like 24 hour uh basically variety show uh every year uh but it's all all to raise money to help the kids um uh, the the kids in need that don't have um 
basically the well it's more more of the hospitals to help the kids yeah i think how their mission works is what they do is they um help to provide gaming for kids in the hospitals who don't have the means to uh, to access games as a a form of Mm -hmm. recreation i think that's that's what their mission is Mm -hmm. about um which i think is incredibly empowering um as a younger person, I didn't play a lot of video games, but as an adult, as you would know, Jerry, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, video games are such a great release from like my everyday life. And I'm very privileged to be, you know, healthy and able, able-bodied in that everyday life. So to be able to contribute for those who aren't quite as able-bodied as myself, um, who don't have the means that I do, like, it really does mean a lot to me, especially, you know, I have kids in my life that are near and dear to me and if I can help provide for other kids, you know, in, in, in my area, um, that really just, it, it's something that I find that really drives me and it makes me really happy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely something worth putting a ton of effort into. And there are so many people that put so much effort in, like I, I said earlier, Rooster Teeth, they raise m- millions of dollars each year for, for this cause. And it's, it's, an amazing thing to watch every year. So us, even with our, our small amount that we might get donated, we'll, we'll always help any, any small amount helps. So. Absolutely. I agree. I'm very excited about it, but we're actually going to talk about uh, your homebrew uh, setting that we're going to be playing into uh, on uh, November 7th. Um, and remind me of the name of it. It's um Deva. So, yes, it's the continent of Deva, um, and you guys will be playing within the kingdom of Thenia. Thenia, okay. Um, and it's to my understanding, because this is, this is a, um, a setting that you've, you actually are currently using in another campaign you're running? Yeah, so basically I have the main campaign, um, and that one I've been running for about a year. Um, that works with the very uh, center plot to the world. Um, the story, the 24-hour game, is going to exist within is m- kind of something that's going to happen concurrently in the world's events. Okay. Um, and it's also from what from what I understand, because um, you gave us a brief rundown of it, um, that it's it's like a steampunk kind of uh, world. Um, does it have like like androids and stuff in it, or is it like, uh, what 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 are the main inhabitants of the world? So the world itself has you know all of your typical humanoid inhabitants, um, and so you break them down basically into two forms. Um, you have your humanoids who are any of your your classic Pathfinder races. We are playing this in Pathfinder One. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other members of the world are what's considered um, automata. So, and this is something that I homebrewed myself. Automata is when magic and meets technology and creates the closest form to life that can be created other than life itself. Um, so you will find in the world that there are, in fact, androids and um, creatures, which I typically just refer to them as the automata, Mm-hmm. Um, that have sentience. Um, with that, there are also um, like technological uh, forms called mechanica 
Now, those forms ha- may be animalistic or humanistic in p- appearance, um, but they don't possess the sentience that, mechan- that the automata do. Um, the automata, what makes them different is they have a core at the center of them um, that uses a fair amount of precious ingredients, including like the tears of mermaids. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> that also, okay, again, homebrew mechanics here on that yeah. one. Um, that that really bring like there's almost like a in a full metal alchemist kind of way like there's a giving life to get life yeah yeah okay i gotcha um yeah so would you say the mechanica are more like um because you said they're they can either be animalistic or humanistic but are they more Mm -hmm. are they more like in a in a simple sense of the the term like a a tool rather than a person yeah, okay their mechanica would be what we would consider machines okay so there's no sentience there there's no self-awareness not um, yet to do the thing you tell them to do <laughs> well, i got my eyebrows i just want you to know um so and then is there a I would imagine, I don't know, this is your world, but like usually when, when there's things like artificial uh, life or artificial intelligence, there's some sort of like, um, I guess, prejudice. Is there anything like that in your world? Like do, do um, the automata, uh, are they, are they looked down upon or do they get treated differently than say like an elf or a dwarf? So, pre yes, um, and this is very important to the current state of affairs in the world. Um, at the, the time in the world that we'll be entering our campaign, um, automata have actually recently been outlawed by the Capitol. Oh, okay. Um, yes. Um, in our main campaign, we actually have a character that plays an android in, as their race, so we refer to that character as automata. Okay. Um, so they've just found out that they're an illegal person. Oh, jeez. That sucks. That would suck really bad. Ooh. I know. It's a good thing they didn't make it to the, to the uh, capital city then, I guess, right? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, wow. So, so you're, this, is, this is happening after, after that has been declared that Atomata are not considered i guess not considered actual people they're outlawed altogether um so the capital is requiring them all to be turned in um for destruction okay okay wow this just got way deeper than i even like was thinking (laughs) oh jared you have no idea like the moment I decided, that, well, let me rephrase, the moment in which I offered my services to be the 24-hour campaign um, dungeon master, I started, like, creating this story in my mind, and, like, I cannot wait for you guys to enjoy it. I'm so excited for it. I really don't want to spoil it, but I do want to tease, like... Oh, yeah. If you, oh, man. If I ask any questions that you think will your answer will spoil something, by all means, you don't have to answer it. Uh but there is one thing, uh, or probably a couple things. Um, are are you? 
you were telling us that our characters are going to be uh, members of this thing called the, was it the 19th Battalion? The 11th. The 11th Battalion. Sorry about that. Um, So, judging from the name, I would assume that that's some sort of, um, like, I guess, military presence? Yeah. So... In the current history of the world, um, it's society is about ten years post what's what was the Great War. Um, ten years ago, <clears throat> the evil that you know lives beneath the realm that that we will be playing on um, rose up from their realm and came to the world of Deva. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a war fought between those evils who sought to snuff out the life in the world. And the capital of Thenia and all of the um, cities, right? Mm. <clears throat> so you're in a world that's post that at that point. Um, so the 11th Battalion was one of the m- one of the kingdom's most advanced fighting units. Mm-hmm. Um, they were a group to be feared and revered in the battlefield, um, deployed for special missions on behalf of the crown. Okay. So, so they're they're almost like a special forces. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and you, it remi- forgive me if I'm remembering incorrectly because it's been a while since since this has been posted. But we're actually retired members. Is that what you said? We're supposed yeah. to be retired so, members. Right after <clears throat> after the war, they gave you the option of retiring with full honors into citizenship or being employed by the crown um pretty much everybody involved after the war was ready to be done um and the compensation they were given for retiring into human like into normal life um was pretty substantial um so as far as you members go you did your duty for your country and then you went your separate ways and now they're calling us back yes okay so the beginning of the campaign, um, you guys receive a letter from one of your former members named Kira. Um, and Kira is requesting that you come to the city of Iru. Um, she says that there is significant evidence that someone is hunting down and killing the members of the 11th Battalion. Okay. All right. So um, I'm actually looking at the map that you sent me or sent us. Uh, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago, uh, obviously Thenia is the like the main capital capital of the continent mm-hmm. of Deva. Um, yes. Is there any? Because um, you said there there was like a great war. Was it within mm-hmm. that continent, or was it like a war, like a world war? So the great war itself was fought in. <clears throat> on the cusp of where the uh, next plane opens, um, okay. which I can't tell you yeah, where that yeah, is because that reveals things that's in the fine, other campaign. Um, but there's a place where the two planes meet on this map, okay, and that's where the war was fought. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so there's not really any like war within the continent itself, are there? Or or, or is there? Is there 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 drama between I mean, the different cities and potentially Fenia between? one of the other smaller uh, settlements. What I can say about that is that like any continent, you have 
people who want things and people who get in of the way. Course. So whether or not there's no grand scale war occurring right now, mm-hmm. um, but even in times of peace, people still rub elbows the wrong way. Oh, of course. Yeah, because nothing so. nothing's ever gonna be exactly what everybody wants. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so in the Annoyan Mountains, there's like uh monks who live up there and frost giants. Mm-hmm. You know, they're reclusive. The Runian forest is completely haunted and most people don't go in there because they're afraid of dying. Um, you know. Gotcha, it's, it's yeah. Got a little bit of everything. Um if you refer to your map to the side of the Renian Forest, those are actually cliffs. Um, they're three miles, you know. Oh, yeah, so yeah. You... They're, they're actually, they're named the Renian Cliffs, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, legend has it that many, many of a traveler has been bewitched to walk right off of them. Oh, okay. I love me some spooky shit. Yeah, I wish you could have played my Halloween camp game from last year. It was really good. We played till like three in the morning. I believe it. <laughs> I I campaigned for more Halloween <laughs> campaigns. It's yes. Great. Um, but yeah. Oh man. Uh, hmm, what 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 to ask? What to ask? Uh, <laughs> is there is there anything that you want to share that I may not be thinking of that you think is obvious. Yes. Um, let me bring you up to speed a little bit on the current events that have affected the, um, the main campaign. Oh yeah. Um, to give you an idea, like kind of the road thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, so they began down all the way down into the, the Southern tip of the continent in Pelios, mm-hmm. um, and alongside the Ruby Cove. Um, and their journey began in the small, sleepy uh, seaside town. Mm-hmm. Um, we come to find uh, our player, Karis, who is a member of the Guard. Um, one of the country's main deity is Toma Thule. Um, so she was one of his guards. Um, we have Then, who is an escaped former slave. Okay. Um, we had Romeo who is a drunken monk. Okay. Uh, Romeo, however, is not with us anymore. Rest his soul. Uh. Yes. Um, and then we had Sarah, uh, who is our automata player. Okay. Um, so they ha- they started their journey um, uh, uncovering a plot within the town of Peleos uh, to steal the merpeople who lived, the, the infants of the merpeople who lived just off the shore mm-hmm. um, to be sold onto the black market in Venia. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, they uncovered that plot and realized that one of the richest families in the town was basically orchestrating it. Um, And so that family, so they, they're the blue family and they are, their presence is the blue company. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they had to, they tried to negotiate with them. Um, but they ended up uh, setting all of their ships on fire and fleeing down. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I bet so. that kind of put a damper on their plans. I mean, you know, it was, I mean, from the from the Dungeon Master's perspective, it was very amusing. It was exactly what I wanted. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, I, yeah, when... 
when we got through that first campaign that first night and they realized that they had killed a creature that was protecting the mer people and had been tricked by the town like the looks of surprise on their faces oh was my just chef's kiss you know um i started the campaign at level 10 as well um i'm very fond of starting at level 10 because i like I, I like our your, the younger levels, the lower levels, as much as the next DM. But the nice thing is when you start at level 10 is you can get spicier characters. Yeah, that's um, true. So. And actually, we, we did forget to mention that. Uh, this campaign, as well as that one that you are currently running, uh, is all of our characters are starting at level 10. So we're going to be a little bit beefier than than a standard starting campaign. Especially for a 24-hour game, it makes more sense it's, to condense the story and raise the stakes. And it, it makes it more interesting because then you can do more. So, Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> My favorite thing is when you guys get onto the group chat and you're like, wait, can I have this? And I'm like, can you afford it with 62,000 gold? <laughs> That's You just have to answer that question. Yeah. Because um, I don't, <clears throat> provided that it makes sense and you're not doing anything game breaking mm-hmm. like i'm pretty chill with whatever personally as a dm um i you know to get a little bit philosophical on you know being a dungeon master i like to give my characters freedom um to kind of improv improvise um such as you know the weapon we have in development for your character oh uh, yes um yes oh yeah i like to push boundaries for that <laughs> sort of stuff um, and I find that like the best campaign, in my opinion, is 50% the DM and then also 50% the players. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've only just recently started DMing myself and like the, with, especially like, uh, this last session that we had with my campaign, I'm just running a, a module, but like, I, half of what happened in that session not even in the module. <laughs> you guys, you guys took it for a trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, though. Like there was a moment I remember early on in the campaign, the main campaign, where we realized that Karis, the town guard, um, I expected everybody to go back to the tavern because we got things started pretty typical in a tavern. And she was like, "Well, what do you mean? I'm part of the town guard. I'm going back to the barracks." And then I realized, I was like, oh, I have to write a whole slew of characters for this barracks, mm-hmm. like people in her life, which turned into this really great scene towards the end of that plot where Karis had to decide whether she wanted to be promoted and, you know, live in the lap of luxury, but turn a blind eye mm-hmm. to, you know, this, this, this terrible thing of the mer people being sold on the black market. Mm-hmm. Um, or did she want to be stricken from the ranks of an organization she'd been in her entire adulthood? Um, and she had to face down her commander and look him in the face, you know, and and stick to her convictions with her God and doing what was right. And it was a really powerful scene, I think, to talk through that. Um, I very much leaned into the character of Tywin Lannister as I role-played the commander. Uh, okay, yeah. um, It was very enjoyable. I think it's one of my favorite role-play sessions I've ever had. And not that it's even off topic because I mean it's still D and D, but that's that's one of the greatest thing about D and D. It's like you you can literally create any storyline you want. She yeah. could have she could have rather than going by the the <clears throat> the uh, what's the word I'm looking for 
the way of her God. Oh, yeah. She okay. could have, with her conviction. Yeah, with yeah. the conviction of her God. She could have just flat out just been like, yeah, I want to live in the lap of luxury. I want to, I want to be promoted and, and stay within this organization. But now we'll, we'll never know what would have happened if that, if that uh, was the way that she did go because she chose to stick with her convictions. Yeah, exactly. And so, like I said, I just, I enjoy that it was a, a, cho- a choice left up to her. Um, again, to get a little more philosophical about, you know, how I feel about tabletop gaming overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I do as a DM, I like to know my character's alignments and yeah. I like for them to play closer. Like, I'm not saying you always have to be on alignment, but yeah. like, I like your core objectives to be that. So there was definitely a part of me that knew her alignment was lawful good. And I was like, oh, all right, still there? DDM, it's like, yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Are you still, Hello? Can you hear me? Yes, I okay. can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so as a dungeon master, there's a small part of me that enjoys knowing someone's lawful good and presenting them with a challenge of having to stick to that conviction. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it is takes a hard path. Sometimes it is hard to stick with it because even the, even the best of us turn into murder hobos at time, from time to time. So... <laughs> exactly exactly i mean sometimes murder hobos where it's at oh of course um so but yeah the storyline the campaign's currently in um when they burned down the ships they ran into a character whose name was honey now honey is a um shapeshifter okay uh and they ended up killing honey's lover um they were both hired to guard the ships and within that battle, what ended up happening was Honey got away. Well, come to find a few months later, they run into her on the road and she's carrying, well, she's not carrying, but she's traveling with a child who proclaims to be the one who is capable of stopping the second coming of this evil. Oh, right? okay. Yes. So, you know, and she's traveling with him, protecting him, trying to get him to the capital because he says he needs to go to the capital. capital. Uh-huh. Um, so the current story arc that they've been working through is trying to get that character to the capital. Okay. Now they don't know what or why or what will happen when they get there. Mm. So they, they're kind of going on this child's word. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, But they've encountered a, they've encountered a few like mid-level baddies um, that are kind of confirming for them. Like, yeah, this might be the real thing. Um, And up into the last part of the story, um, the character who you know b- believes to be like almost a christ-like figure um <clears throat> was stolen from them by the pirate queen of yellow haven okay and i did because i did see bounty that, on his head. that little island off in the bottom left corner yes. okay so that's yellow haven yellow haven is a in uh, a free island um from the capital of thenia they don't uh sub- aren't subjected to their rule based on a negotiation by their pirate queen uh, who hunts bounties for the capital. So the capital pays her for the bounties and leaves them be to be themselves on their little island. Okay. And the capital gets their bounties taken care of. Yeah, just kind of like a you do what you want as long as you take care of the nonsense that we need taken care of. Exactly. All right. So earlier you said that uh, they ended up not making it to the capital. Um, they were on its doorsteps when Hoa was kidnapped. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. 
and that and in between that time um or was it after that uh that automata became uh outlawed it was right prior to that right prior so to that. at the edge of the at basically at the end of the last story arc they got right to the edge of the capital they were in a city that was right pr- prior to it they found out that then the character who is a former slave um, is obviously they're looking to get him back uh, because he stole a hundred thousand gold worth of diamonds from the mine. Jesus, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean this was this was part of his backstory, and I really enjoyed it when he wrote it. So I was like, you know what, we're going with it. it sounds great. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it's a, diamond thief. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so he's a wanted criminal. One of the characters is a um, is the automata, and they have been outlawed prior to them arriving to the city. Um, the one character who uh, Karis, the the guard, she's not necessarily a welcome person, considering that she the guard the guard that guards the capital city is the same guard that guards all of the cities so oh really she's been so it's from not the it's not a different uh no it's uh it's the capitals kind of like okay so they just have like different stationed outposts okay yeah. yep so she's a wanted criminal in that way because she's been stricken from their um their ranks and if she's caught on sight by one of the officers their their orders are to kill her oh jeez yeah wow and then we have yobak um, whose mission is to uh, basically fight the great evil of the world. Um, so we've got a lot at play right now. Yeah, it sounds like it. Holy crap. <laughs> so so the 11th Battalion is is a special forces for Thenia, correct? Correct, yes. So would they have the same orders if they ran into... Um, sorry, I forgot her name. Karis. Uh, Karis? No, and the reason being is because they were deployed as like a special operations team. Um, when it comes to just regulating like ranks and members of the the king's guard, um, it doesn't really make sense for them to really have those same orders okay. because they had missions that were of a lot higher gravity. Gotcha, um, gotcha. And at the end of the war, they all retired into citizenry. Gotcha. Okay, so. Let me ask you this question then, because obviously the 11th Battalion, that was created during this great war, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that was before automata were outlawed. Were there, were there automata in the 11th Battalion before they got outlawed? And if so, what happened to them after they became outlawed? Well, you'll have to find out. Oh! <laughs> you got me! <laughs> I know. I'm interested. Also, you know, you know, wink, wink, hint, hint. Everybody hasn't told me what their class and race yeah, is going to be, yeah. so I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> I like to write the story, my story around my characters' decisions. That way, I can make them pay for them later. Of course. What kind of what kind of DM would you be if you didn't? <laughs> and my, I, I, I feel like I need to bring up the the nickname because we have a, a group chat. Uh, so that we can discuss things uh, before before the happening of uh, Extra Life. And Amanda's nickname in that group is Murder Mother. <laughs> yes. Um, 
<laughs> no, that comes from the original campaign. I have a little bit of a reputation for being pretty difficult as far as encounters go. Um, I like to make and build challenging encounters. Yeah, but that makes so, things interesting. So I'm I'm I mean, looking forward to it. I've killed Jesse two times <laughs> in different campaigns. One of our players, like I killed like uh, his first character, Romeo, which I did give him the option. Um, there were ways he could have saved himself, but he at that point wanted to try out a different character style. Gotcha. So he decided to kind of let that go. Yeah. Um, so and then also in the first campaign I ever ran, which was an absolute mess. But anyways, um, his his rogue tried to pass my giant scorpion and the giant scorpion promptly shot him in a door and murdered him. Oh, God. Holy crap. Well, he was standing on top of a giant pile of gold. Like yeah, That's true. That's you fair. walk into a cavern, there's a giant pile of gold, but there's also a giant scorpion on top. How do you handle it? <laughs> nope the fuck out of there. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? This party was uh, full of thieves and greedy, yeah, so... As I mean, it, they eventually defeated every, it. Every good D&D party has at least one skeevy asshole. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else can I ask? Because obviously, I, since you're you're not sure what everybody's going to be playing, you don't have a lot of information on the 11th Battalion, uh, other than what uh, is just set in stone. Um, is um, is is. Thenia, because like obviously, is it like a dictatorship or like a a does a king or queen? Uh... There is a king. Okay. So it's a patriarchal society. Patriarchal. Okay. Um. Mm-hmm. So Thenia, as I mentioned, is the kingdom that rules over the continent of Deva. Mm-hmm. Um. And <clears throat> with that being said, there is a king. Uh. The kingdom itself. Uh has made most of its riches in the diamond mines that the one character I mentioned Stole previously Stole 100,000 gold worth of diamonds, from. okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so there's... The world that I built is very morally gray, and I did that on purpose. My campaigns kind of tend to be that way, um, just because I like to give myself the wiggle room to make things really bad and really good. Okay. So... Um, like you have great joy in the world. There are the monks in the mountains who live in peace and reside away from everyone. Um, in the Felonian farmlands, things are pretty uh, simple. Like they live simple farm life. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go south to Ruby Cove, you find the very, very crooked town of Pelios that appears to be nice and sweet, but isn't. Yeah. Um, you have, there was a town in within the Renian forest that, the characters went through that they couldn't figure out why they were there was an actual um wendigo on the border of this town oh, right okay of the town of swinton but they were like well why doesn't the wendigo attack the town it's like so there are a fair amount of different players involved in different layers okay um yeah so uh oh another thing i should mention the previous party um, was given information by a person uh, named Morgana who may or may not have been of a more godly uh, position within the world. They weren't sure. She was there for a short time to give them information 
on the fact that they were potentially going to save the world and then had to go attend to other people who could potentially save the world. Huh. Okay. Interesting. So, so let me, let me ask you this question, uh, going back to, um, the patriarch, uh, patriarchal, uh, rule of Deva. Um, mm-hmm. since the guard is basically spread out across the entire continent, does is this a is this a very military rich rule or is it like this is just how the king wants to protect his his continent like uh, he does he just want to know that all of the guard in every single city across the continent is the same or is it like almost a military militaristic rule. So I would say <clears throat> it's more um, in a, in an aim to protect um, what you have to remember is the current King is the son of the King who fought within the, the great war. Um, and the previous King died fighting in that war. Okay. So he's, um, so he's his son has helmed the throne since then. I would assume that he's um, well liked then. He very well liked. Okay. Um, so, and with that being said, um, in order to ensure that great evil doesn't rise again, we need to have one organization that is across the entire realm. Yeah, of course, right? makes sense. Um, that organization reports directly back to the king um, and makes it so that if things start to get to a point where they see the old evils rising again, creatures walking in the night, they can report that to the kingdom and hopefully deal with it um, in this post-war society. Um, so my idea from that also was that there would probably be a fair amount of men and women who had fought in that war who would still be of working age. Oh, yeah, at the time sure. Because I mean, campaign takes place. So what do you do with them? Like, do you reintegrate them to society? Do you create a, you know, like, and so this king's idea was, okay, well, if you want to, let's create, we'll create a space for you to have an outpost so we'll take care of your you know your room your board we'll make sure you're fed and paid mm-hmm. um and you'll continue to watch over the continent as you protected it through the great war okay yeah that makes sense because uh, i mean it, of course there's probably still going to be especially in probably pellulos or Pel- is is that Pel- yep, you got pellulos it. um there there might be some corrupt people I mean, where there are people, there's corruption. Of course. <laughs> um, especially, it seems, down there. Uh, I mean, it's the farthest away from the kingdom. Yeah. It's the hardest to the reach. hardest to reach. And, I mean, I don't know. I, is this, I guess I can. I could ask this. Is this like a, a I, it would almost have to be high magic due to the automata, but is that a, a um, what, I keep blanking on words. Uh, is that a point of uh, contention with, like, is magic considered dangerous since automata are basically the product of magic? I wouldn't say so, and here's the reason why. Um, when I think of the automata, there are creatures that were created um, in the attempt of bringing magic and technology together. Um, this world itself is a steampunk-style world, mm-hmm. and with that being said... Um, this is part of where the steampunky kind of elements come into it because they're these like, you know, 
robot creatures that, Mm -hmm. you know, can sometimes look as if they have organics on them, but um, the majority of them, because obviously, like, who wants to pay for that? Um, The majority of them just look like, you know, giant robots. Mm -hmm. Or, well, not, I guess I would say, if we're talking getting really technical, they would be large robots. I don't know that they'd occupy 15. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, in in the terms of D&D. Yeah. So, um, but with that being said, so magic itself is something that a lot of people use commonly, um, but it's only within the capital at the king's command applied um, in such a way that automata could be born. Um, so those scientists within the capital are where that technology was born, and then it was expanded upon as it went out to the um, to the cities themselves. So with that being said, so let's say automata are a post-war part of the society, um, which is the case. Yeah. Um, you will only typically find them in cities nearer the capital. Okay. Um, so your larger cities have them, much how like large cities in our in our own world have like you know really great train systems oh, and yeah. these convenience ideas. Like think of it like that. Okay. Like they have the cutting edge of technology because they have so many people and they have so many resources pulled together. But a small town like Pelios has no need for automata. Um, they do have need for the money that comes from selling the mermaids, but that's everybody has need for money. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, <laughs> so can I don't know if you can or not, but it, can you get into the reasoning why uh, automata became outlawed, or is that still part of your ongoing campaign that you can't quite uh, give I out can... yet? only allude that something may have happened in the capital city that would cause the king to raise the alarm and decide that all automata weren't safe to have okay. um, in his cities. Uh, and as a well-liked ruler, uh, he is poised to remove them. Um, now, what I will also say that is slightly off topic to your question mm-hmm. is that automata do provide a fair amount of labor in some of the cities Mm -hmm. so not everywhere is is as crooked as to have a diamond mine um be worked by half breeds right yeah um some places rely on the automata for a lot of their labor force and a lot of their economy um so that's going to come into play in our 24-hour game um yeah because you said that they were they were i in a i guess ordered to send these automata to be destroyed correct Correct. So technically, they would be harboring fugitives. Correct. In a way. Exactly. Okay. So, and a city's non-compliance could be seen e- even in some ways as an act of treason. Yeah. Um, but at the same so time, the... I can see why they would want to keep that because, I mean, a- even in in the farmlands down south, I mean, I'm sure if there are any down there, I'm sure they're of great help in the farms exactly so i would imagine that farmers wouldn't really want to comply to that yeah exactly um it's definitely something very controversial um considering you know obviously like we said automata are sentient Mm -hmm. um so again i don't want to allude too much to what could be coming um but that's what i can but at the same time i feel like i feel like it needs to be said the automata are sentient but Mm -hmm. they're not being before the outlaw they weren't being treated as slaves they are just no it was something in between like second class citizens okay yeah because like 
obviously there it didn't seem like there was any like slavery tendencies happening it was more of a you're useful we could use you they i imagine they would get paid for their their work it's just they are more capable than the common folk they are more capable than the common folk and they have different abilities and things that they can do um, that your common folk really can't. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. This is... I know, it's a lot to chew it's on. It's a lot to chew on, but I'm like, I'm, it's getting me excited because, like, there's a lot for me to think about because, like, I'm, I'm learning more and, like, it makes me, it almost makes me want to play an Automata character so I can, like, kind of dive more into that, uh... Uh, kind of backstory and lore. Yeah. But at the same time, we're making three characters. I don't know if I intend on one of them to die, but one of them will probably die. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to put this out there. For anybody who's ever played a 24-hour game, I fully, fully approve of setting yourself some way to resurrect yourself and not building multiple characters personally unless you want to play multiple class race combos and here's the reason why last year we built characters at level 16 and there was absolutely no way i was going through that work a second time so instead (laughs) i made sure that one of the other party members had resurrection and i had a diamond worth ten thousand gold see i uh i remember because i i liked back when we did our our first stream uh we actually made corresponding characters with each other uh and that was pretty great i I'm not gonna lie. i played the sister to your to your brother but we weren't we weren't blood related uh and i remember <laughs> i my part of my character's like conviction was you weren't dying <laughs> you weren't gonna die on me <laughs> right and i mean it's, it's not bad. I I tend to, even with martial characters, I tend to play really conservative, personally. Um, the last game in one of our other campaigns, sorry to your listeners, if you, we, I'm, I'm, I think I have, like, I think we have, like, nine or eight yeah, nine we've got campaigns a stupid, running right now. We've got now. a stupid amount of campaigns running at the exact same time, but we're insane it, people, so. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's corona time. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that anymore. Hold on. Let me back up. What were we talking about? Uh, I was talking about uh, the last uh, extra life stream that we did. Extra life stream. Oh, yeah. No, last week I had a character that was like within actually dying. Oh, really? I'm like, I've never, like, I'm typically not one to take damage like that. Like, it was scary. I, but it was great. It, now, it was now that I think about it, I, I don't think I've ever had a character close to death i've had multiple characters get knocked unconscious but never don't worry we'll fix that yeah i'm sure (laughs) i did not give myself that nickname that nickname was given to me i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean that that first um that first stream we did i remember we rolled up three characters those ones were all level seven but it was mm-hmm. Pathfinder, so there's a lot of stuff in there. And I remember, for whatever oh. reason, I chose a bard for one of them. That character took me, like, six hours to complete. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. this, is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, when you play Pathfinder, you gotta really enjoy the crunch of a character. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just so many options. But again, it's that's my favorite part of it. Um, to talk a little bit about the weapon we're kind of looking into yes. for you. That's mm-hmm. like a gun blade. Yeah. It's like, uh, we sat down the other night, and we were just basically debating the mechanics of it and trying to like suss through what we thought the mechanics of how it would work so that you could get to play with this this, this weapon because mm-hmm. it's it's bad as hell yeah, it's awesome it's, it's amazing it's and nice. i'm like the best thing about pathfinder is somewhere there's a rule that can make this work mm-hmm. like there's a lot of them they're everywhere they're <laughs> like you know rules upon rules upon rules upon rules you're like wait how did i do that what um but uh, the best thing is, is that there's enough to typically support whatever wacky, crazy thing you want to do, and that's that's what I love about it. Um, that's why it's my favorite game system um, because there's so much content, there's so many weird things, mm-hmm. and there's just, oh, gosh, you can just do so much. Yeah, and I mean, you know me, I'm I'm personally more of a a fifth edition D and D fifth edition person, but that's just because like I can kind of just pick that up and playing basically anywhere with pathfinder i like pathfinder but you have to do your research (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like you the 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 best and worst thing about pathfinder is the more you put into the character the better the character will be of course yeah (laughs) so like i mean you can min max and play like you know a really beefy hit em up character but like Oh man, the the feats and combat maneuvers. If you dedicate yourself to that, you're just just a force of destruction. Yeah, it's there's just so much that you yeah. can do. It's it's ridiculous. But I have a tenth level psychic that can cast magic missile and do an automatic forty five damage. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so much. It's the best. I can only do it five times a day though. That's that's absurd (laughs) (laughs) only five times a day i can only inflict 235 damage like guaranteed a day (laughs) magic pathfinder (laughs) oh my goodness but uh I'm sure I'm going to ask you more questions off the podcast, but like that's, that's people when you, you're going to got to tune in for the, the stream for extra life. Absolutely. And you're going to learn Follow more me on Twitch. <clears throat> My Twitch handle is Amanda H writes. Uh, that's A M A N D A H W R I T E S. Nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at the same handle, uh, Amanda H writes. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, I'll be announcing things on my Twitter, um, and the stream will officially go onto Twitch and you'll be able to find links to donate to our extra life mission. Yeah. I'm going to, um, in the podcast, right? Yeah. I'm going to post your, your, uh, your Twitter handle, your Twitch handle. Uh, I'll put the, the, um, donation link in the podcast notes. Um, and of course, during during the actual stream, we're going to probably be spamming it in the chat as well. So there will be yeah. plenty of opportunities for you to find the link and, and be able to donate, which we would absolutely. We are, again, super, super excited to do this 24-hour game again yeah. uh, and stream it again. <clears throat> uh, 
I'm very excited. This is going to be the largest game I've ever DM'd with six players. Yeah, but I think I think you're going to do good because, especially since like we've all gamed together before, so it's it's going to be a nice melding of of characters. Agreed. Agreed. <clears throat> well, hey, I th- this was this was fantastic. I, I'm super super excited about. I was already excited about the campaign. I'm even more excited now because I know more about the world. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Amanda. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have you back for some more, uh, just not necessarily deep dives into lore, but maybe deep dives into lore, <laughs> different things. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess for me, if you want to find me, I'm, uh, I think it's jerbear 91 on Twitter, it's either JerBear91, JerBear underscore 91, or just JerBear91. Um, you could check my Instagram. That is JerBear underscore 91. I never post there, but just in case. Um, and of course, if you Your wanted Twitter to. Twitter is underscore 91. Underscore. By the way. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so both of those, Instagram and Twitter, are underscore 91. Um, Amanda, again, is at Amanda H. Wrights. Um, and that's on both your Twitch and your Twitter, correct? Correct. All right. Uh, and Hey, if you liked this episode, please give it a rate and a review, uh, on whatever podcasting app you're, you're using to listen to it. It helps us basically just get the podcast out there. It helps me improve. If you leave a review, what you liked, what you didn't like any review helps, uh, even negative ones. Uh, so please leave a like and a, or a, leave a review and a, a uh, rating so that we know for doing the right things. <laughs> but that's going to be it for episode number two. So thank you guys. Uh, and hopefully episode number three won't be too far in the future. All right. Thank you so much, Sharon. You're very welcome. Bye. Bye.